ready. Hit it. Ready to cut through the BS? And here's some ways to drive your business forward today. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, Y'all know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Welcome back to Biz Sprints. This is episode number two, and my name is Michael McMillan. So this week, what we're going to talk to you guys about is going to be a few different topics, a couple of interesting articles I actually found throughout the web that I figure we can kind of use as a guide to, you know, some interesting topics to cover. A couple of things we're going to be covering today is Coca-Cola with their brand new freestyle vending machine. If you have not had a chance yet to experience this thing, it is pretty awesome. Something you definitely want to make sure if you see in the store to definitely just check it out. Um, And then the new movie, Deadpool. Uh, If you guys haven't seen this, this is a hilarious movie. Something I would strongly suggest you to go check out. Um, Probably It's one of the few movies that actually has lived up to its hype. And I was excited to hear about it. And uh, definitely something you definitely want to check out. Uh, But specifically, you know, know, Deadpool has actually taught us a lot about marketing uh, as it was kind of ramping up to get it to this. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that and uh, some of the lessons we can learn here from Deadpool and its marketing plan here. Um, and then the last thing is, is, you know, uh, you know, customer service, right? You know, we, uh, as we're uh, in sales, we we hear customer service quite a bit, you know, crying at the table, you know, wanting to come to the table and have a voice. And, you know, should we, you know, should we really be listening to them and bringing them in there? And, you know, what, uh, what's some of the advantages we can, you know, come with uh, having them come in and join us there. So uh, this and probably a couple more topics as I go along here, that I'll probably raise up here for you. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, talk about Coke, right? So um, a while back, I remember starting to see these machines inside of uh you know subways and different uh different uh restaurants that i uh, frequent of course over lunch my lunch hour and such um and i remember seeing these things and like it was so cool i'm like wow so basically you've now given me a device that i can actually make all of those crazy contraptions drinks that i always wanted to when i was a kid um a thousand fold right so it's so cool um, what was more fascinating for me, though, is I found this article, actually, which was talking about uh, the Coca-Cola freestyle vending machine, uh, the insights it's actually providing Coca-Cola on its own core business and production of new drinks. And it's amazing to hear that, like, you know, when this uh, article came out, they're already saying that over 5 billion servings have already been uh, produced by these machines and thousands of uh, flavor permeations that have been now created uh, just from people playing around with these machines. Um, and it's amazing to hear the amount of data these things are collecting on us. I mean, literally, they were—they had one of their drinks, which is caffeine-free Diet Coke, um, which was available in less than one percent of their dispensers in the U.S. Um, now, that same exact formulation is now one of their top five brands, specifically in the afternoon day part. You know, they had an actual formulation that was uh, needed, and actually, people wanted to consume. Um, and they just, you know, ended up finding out it's just a specific time and day that people wanted to consume it in, so they didn't have that kind of energy, but you know, buzz at the end of the day, so they can go home and kind of still be restful. So really kind of cool. And I mean, where where I was tailing with this, and where I started reading into this is, you know, it's uh, the term big data, you know, uh, business intelligence, BI, blah blah blah. Uh, you know, you hear this thrown around so much in the business office. I mean, I, I can't tell you a single day that goes by that I do not hear at least. Uh, someone in my office, one of my clients, someone to start talking about, oh, we need 
better business intelligence to tell us about all of our customers and you know what they you know what they want to service to us and uh, many times you know the initial data sets that start coming out of those conversations are kind of hokey uh so, you know it's one of those things where i start looking at it and i'm like okay you, you kind of have me in my attention here but you know are you are you really gonna be able to dig into this is this really going to tell us something that's going to be actionable to drive our business forward um, and what's interesting is, is you know, it's it's rare that I actually find a good use case where I'm like, oh, it made sense, and it really did something that changed their business. Um, and this was, I just felt like such a great example of actually success, right? Like, I mean, uh, it's not every day you get to hear success, you know, in business with business intelligence being a, a, in the same sentence. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I applaud Coca-Cola for really, you know, nailing it down. Like, yo, let's put a machine out there, let's measure what people are consuming, and then let's learn from that to make things better, right? Um, it's the true kind of lean business model. If you're not familiar with lean, I uh, strongly suggest you check it out. Um, also the agile engineering process, you know, where it's like, let's get our minimum viable product out, you know, baseline thing out into the public and then just start learning from them. Let's see what our consumers have to tell us about, you know, what do they really want? Because all these people sitting around a whiteboard or uh, in a lab or something, uh, yeah, there's only so much you can know and so much you can guess that people, uh, what they're going to want to actually consume of your product. So uh, kudos, Coke. I mean, you did a great job, man. You uh, created something. You now know more about what I want to drink than I do. And uh, I love you for that. You know, and uh, I'm totally going to continue to consume your products and uh, probably... Uh, Look forward to some new kind of drink that you're going to come up with, maybe based upon what I'm drinking from your machines, uh, at least every other day. <laughs> so, um, you know, but one of the things with business intelligence, you know, and, and talking about this, so all this information that Coke has learned about us now and learned about the consumers and, uh, you know, coming out with these products and such is, it's how you're going to leverage this, right? So you learned all this information, you now know, and you need to now uh, re-educate your consumer like, hey, okay, we learned this from you, and now we're going to start putting out new products into the market. Uh, and of course, that's where marketing and advertising come into play. Um, and one of the things that I'm always looking for is this cool, uh, cool articles that, you know, can tell me a little bit about uh, things that were successful, you know, maybe some misses, right? There's always, there's always a ton of misses out there. Uh, but I'm always looking for, you know, what is, you know, is there, is there been a success story that is maybe not in business, right? So not in the kind of B2B environment that I typically come from, um, or even in the, you know, more B2C environment, right? But that can really tie back to uh, businesses who are doing this B2B work and uh, learn from some things. And I, I ended up coming across this really, really cool article, um, actually specifically around the movie Deadpool. Um, if you're not familiar with this, uh, as I kind of mentioned just a moment ago, it is a hilarious movie. You really, really want to make sure you go check out. Um, and the article is, it's titled Deadpool Marketing Humor and Social Media and How to Step Up Your Marketing Message. Um, Really, really cool spot. This is uh, I found this on Huffington Post. I'll put the link, of course, uh, as always with uh, with this posting. Uh, but it actually just talked about like you know how Deadpool really just kind of went back to the roots of marketing, right? You know, kind of going back to what we knew worked in digital marketing and what's always kind of worked in traditional marketing, uh, but just gave it a refresher, right? Uh, one of the things you know this article really talked to me about is is you know that. Many businesses, when it comes to marketing and messaging, 
you know, they think, hey, you know, okay, we don't have the budget for, you know, this huge expansive campaign uh, to really make sure this is, you know, a unique message, which, which I understand. I, I, I've worked with a tech startup uh, now for long enough to tell you that I, I understand budget constraints very, very much. And, you know, it's a real, real problem that you're going to have to deal with. And, um, but it's interesting to see how uh, Mark, Dead, I'm sorry, with Deadpool, with what they did here, which is, is, you know, all they simply did is, is, you know, they use these same outlets, right? These same outlets that I use every day for any of the businesses I work with, you know, be it Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, whatever, any of the social outlets, and then using some of the, you know, standardized press releases and such like that. Of course, this had a lot larger budgets with being Fox. Uh, of course, they had commercials and such, but the one thing they put in here is, you know, a fresh change is always good. Um, and I liked what they talked about here, which is, is, you know, you don't need to keep, actually not even just you don't need to, you should not continue to repeat out the same thing, right? Just because you maybe got a bunch of views off of one article you wrote, that doesn't mean to continue to push it out more and more. All that is telling you is, is that, hey, you had some success, now Let's continue to keep pushing the envelope and learn what else is going to be successful. Learn from what you got and learn from that success you pushed out, but you know, continue to iterate on that, right? Take that idea, take that essence, but create new content. Don't keep going back to that well and don't keep pushing out that same thing because you're going to lose your audience. You're going to lose this, uh, you know, this platform that you're on speaking. Uh, people are just not going to care anymore. You know, you got to keep it fresh and keep it up to date. Uh, one thing Deadpool did really well, right? One of the things I was, I will personally say I was really intrigued with their marketing was is, um, they really went after the humor element of it, right? This is a, this is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous game. Uh, I, I personally, I love humor in marketing. I love it in advertising. I am a sucker. If you're going to make me laugh, I am probably going to buy from you. Um, but it's, it's dangerous, man. I mean, I can't even tell you how many commercials I've watched where it's like, wow, did you, did you really go there? Or, you know, it's like, or it's, wow, that, that joke just was not funny at all. And I am now confused more than I am entertained. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, humor is one end of the spectrum typically or another. It's either you hit it on the mark or you really, really missed. And you know what I find funny? I love personally, like I love dry British humor, you know, give me some mighty Bush, a Bush and some old Greg. And I'm, I'm like the happiest guy in the world. Uh, to other people, it's more slapstick, right? It's more the, uh, traditional kind of Charlie Chaplin thing or whichever in between. Um, so it's, you know, it's really making sure you try to use humor. I love the idea of using humor in marketing. I would just be careful. That's all I got to say is just make sure you use something, be tasteful, um, edit, 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 and, uh, make sure that you're not just going to crude, right? You know, um, just, you know, it's not funny when you're, uh, getting a laugh at someone else's expense. That's not a cool thing to do, um, especially in marketing for your business. Um, one of the other things in here too is, is you know the leverage of holidays, right? Um, this is kind of marketing 101. Uh, you know we see this all the time as you get into the holidays. You know you leverage it. You know and and I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that's a great you know great plan that I think many businesses miss. You know they they forget. They're like oh you know hey it's coming up to Christmas, Easter, uh, you know Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa, whichever the holiday you're talking about. You know, leverage this thing and have some fun with it. Um, you know, in the case of Deadpool, you know, I love this example they gave here in this article, which is, is um, they actually went as far as, you know, doing like, you know, the 12 days of Deadpool for Christmas. 
you know, and then they did, you know, uh, Chinese New Year. They had uh, Deadpool hit them all. Like, they, they just they just went there and had fun with these holidays and just injected this character into every single one of these holidays um, and really almost didn't miss the mark on any of them. And, you know, it's just a cool thing to think of. You know, I don't care how conservative your business is. You know, just go for it. You know, have some fun with the business, uh, with the holidays. And if you don't want to go to, you know, specific, you know, religious or federal holidays, um, then make up one yourself and just, you know, take a Hallmark holiday and be like, hey, we're celebrating Boss's Day and we're going to go crazy on Boss's Day. Um, you know, that's that's cool. Just have fun with it. Um, you know, the other piece here is his personality, uh, which is kind of that last, you know, even going off of that last piece I talked about there, which is, is you know, when you can have a genuine personality and really convey that out into um, on your you know uh, to your ecosystem and to the people who follow you, you know, you're you're gonna see people embrace you, right? Because they they want to get to know you, your business, and and they want to know that you have a personality. You know, if you're just this trying to always convey this dry piece of toast, people are gonna see you as a dry piece of toast. And I'm sorry, I I personally don't like a dry piece of toast. I I like jams and jellies and honey and uh, you know, maybe some butter. You know, that's kind of cool. I love butter on toast, right? It's just, you know, dry piece of toast, it's pretty boring, you know, and I, I want something more than that. You know, give me something I'm going to get excited over. And, you know, that's that's where the injection of personality into your marketing um, just becomes so critical and just so important to make sure you're doing. Um, so I, I, I definitely agree with the author on this piece. It's just, you know, really being genuine, being authentic, and, and really push hard to, to get that personally put in, uh, to get that personality in there. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, as I mentioned prior to, um, you know, into this article, I'm sorry, prior, but, uh, earlier in this article, which is, is that is, you know, making sure you're not repeating yourself, you know, in, ensuring that your messages is always being genuine and unique, you know, so as you're going up to, you know, if you're leading up in a campaign to a big event, uh, you know, I, I have uh, one of my clients now that I'm working with that uh, and I commonly do this is that we're, we're building up, we're doing drip campaigns, drip campaign, drip campaigns, all leading up to this event where we're going to do this big release and push out this product out into the wild. And what I've found is, is that, you know, many times our clients, uh, who is actually the corporations because we're a B2B company, they want to just take this, you know, one thing. They're like, okay, hey, we're going to talk this, take the stock, you know, image or the stock uh, social square, and just continue to push it out over and over and over again, and just in some little minor iteration of itself. And what I've learned is, is that quickly, it's just that people just stop caring. Yeah, they see it a couple times, once or twice, maybe three times. They'll like it, they'll reshare it, but after that, they're just like, ah, another social square, yippee, you know, or oh, the same video package. 10 different ways. Oh, that's just what I want to see. You know, it's like, get, do some work, right? Like, get in there, get your hands dirty, you know, do some work and get some and get your people what they want. You know, I mean, I I know personally, right? Like when I'm on Instagram, or I'm on, you know, Snapchat even, right? Or anything, right? If someone's just sharing me stock content, I am turned off immediately, like, especially from a B2B, like if it's a business pushing me something, you better have something new. And if you're going to continue to push me the same old tired ads, I, I'm just going to turn off. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's where, how you're going to lose my subscription or lose my uh, you know involvement with your brand uh, so fast. So continue, right, to push that envelope and make sure that you're always uh, getting new, uh, fresh content out there for uh, for your customers to consume. 
you know, uh, the last piece in here, you know, where they talked about is this, that it's, um, which was in, you know, with this specific, or, uh, with the specific release with Deadpool, you know, it, this was an edgy, edgy movie. You know, I mean, there's some of the, his humor can uh, go places that many brands cannot. And, uh, you know, you need to know that about your brand. I think that's that self-awareness of, you know, where am I willing to have my brand go? Um, and also remember too, though, but based on your channel, that, that edginess can differ. Um, a great example of this, I'll tell you is, uh, Wendy's. Um, I remember seeing this, uh, actually back in one of my former careers in the call center days. Um, and I, I was watching Wendy's and I, I tracked their brand pretty closely because it was fascinating to see the messaging style that they did differed so much channel by channel. You know, if you go even today and you go on Wendy's uh, Twitter page and you read in the in the format in which they write and how they communicate with their customers, it's in a much more edgy environment. You know, I, I almost feel like I'm talking to one of my buddies, um, you know, same age as me, you know, maybe uh, late 20s, early 30s, you know, same type of, you know, rhythm and patterning and just kind of how we communicate and speak, uh, you know, even using emojis and stuff like that, you know, right? It's just, it's exactly what I, I'm used to. Uh, but then you go into their other mo- you know, other channels, like, you know, like for over the phone, and it gets much more traditional, much more buttoned up. And I think that's really cool. And I, I actually, I think that's something, you know, money brands need to take heart of is, is, you know, know your customer on the channels in which they're communicating with you on, you know, so if you're talking to a person through Twitter, you know, you know, think about, you know, who is my audience there? I mean, if you look at statistics, it's mostly males, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, late 30s, early 40s is the, you know, is the most is the largest usage of that uh, channel there, you know, but then you get into Facebook, and you know, you're talking about, you know, again, 30, 40 year old, uh, male, female, kind of good, uh, kind of good combination, you know, Pinterest, you know, mostly female, I think it's like, like 90%. Uh, but you know, know your audience and know who you're talking to, because uh, when you know when you know that, and you then again, it allows you to be more genuine, but also allows you to you know connect with your audience on their channel and communicate in the fashion which they want to communicate with you on. Um, and I think that's the key here, right? Is uh, the thing that this article didn't really, I don't think, went into enough depth on is, is that you know, it Deadpool knew right with their marketing campaign that you know. They can. They had to speak to who their audience was, and their audience wanted, you know, edgy marketing that was unique and can really speak to their character and how their character portrays himself. And it's cool that they really did a great job at building out a campaign that could really speak to that to their general audience and and draw them in so they could see that. Um, and using again, like I said, very very traditional marketing models. You know, holidays, humor. Uh, you know, keeping things fresh, uh, counter-programming, personality, uh, you know, all these kind of things, right? It's all the stuff, you marketing 101 jazz, you know, nothing, there's nothing out of the norm here where it's like, whoa, they reinvented the wheel, they made the, you know, Budweiser frogs, you know, the, <laughs> if you guys remember those commercials. Uh, no, this is, this is pretty typical stuff, uh, but again, it was just done in a very good manner. Um, so, you know, kudos on Deadpool. Uh, and again, like I said, if you guys have not seen this movie yet, uh, please, by, I, I would strongly suggest get out, get out to the theater, get a chance to see it. Uh, you're going to, you're going to laugh really hard. It's a great, great, great movie. Uh, something you should, uh, very adult though, just, you know, so don't, don't take the kiddos maybe unless you're up for having them see some stuff and explaining, uh, you really shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, you know, and again, like I said, is, is, you know, 
with with good marketing campaigns, right? So what marketing has ended up being graded on, right? Is always its ability to generate leads. You know, and the campaign we just talked about with Deadpool, it's generating, you know, cheeks and seats inside the theaters, right? That's that's what they're gonna end up being graded on in ticket sales. Um, you know, but for your brand, right, if you're a B2B company or even B2C, doesn't matter. Um, your marketing team at the end of the day is still graded on the same thing, which is the ability to generate leads and bring them in and good quality leads. Um, you know, and then your sales team, of course, is, is generated on, you know, it's going to be graded on their ability to convert those deals and get those deals contracted and in the door and you know, get the check, right? The ABC, always be closing. You know, and your final team, right, though, the team that a lot of people and a lot of con- companies forget to talk about enough a lot of times is their support teams, uh, this could be your implementation team, your account management team, your technical account managers, uh, you know, whoever. It's that team that comes in, you know, project managers, right? The team that comes in right when the sale is done. Um, and many great companies that I've worked with, um, I do love the fact when I see those support teams are actually injected into the sales pipeline and they're part of the sales process. Uh, I always love seeing that. It gets me pretty excited, uh, especially coming, like I said, I my background's in call center, right? So um, it's all customer service. You know, it's, that was the environment at least I came out of. So I have a very big affinity for, cl- you know, client services, customer service, and really making sure I take good care of my customers. And I, I remember doing this, which is I'd be selling these deals, you know, outsourcing customer service centers. And it was always fascinating to me of like, you know, I'd then go and transfer into different organizations. Like uh, right now I'm with a technology company. And it's so funny that, you know, it's a difference. It's like, you know, in technology, it's all about close the deal, close the deal, close the deal. And then we'll work on getting this uh, implemented. And I remember bring, when I first started there, I, my first thing was like, whoa, 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 guys, no. We need to get our implementations team involved in this deal way earlier on. Like they need to have input on this. And the reason being is, is because, you know, if they don't have input on this deal, they're the ones who ultimately have to own this deal and deal with this customer, right? Like the last thing you want, sale salesman, saleswoman, whichever, is to have a pissed off client because you just sold some stuff that we have no way of actually implementing. Right, that's like the ultimate nightmare. Which, but it happens all the time, um, especially in tech. I mean, I, I see this, I see this so frequently in tech, uh, but I also see this in so many other industries. You know, it's and a lot of it draws back to is that they let kind of sales go rogue. You know, they let marketing generate these deal, uh, these leads. The salesmen go out and close them quickly, and then the support team kind of is, you know, told, "Hey, sit on your hands until we got this contract, and then we're going to tell you to jump and get to work." And that's not the way to do it, you know. I mean, a, a great, you know, great questions, you know, like imagine this, right? You're in your business today. Let's say you walk into your office, and your marketing director comes up to you and say, "Hey, listen, we had an amazing lead come in the pipeline. I handed it off to, you know, Sally. Sally called them in your sales department." And Sally just found out that, you know, hey, look, they're hot to trot and they're looking to get this deal closed like right now. What do you do, right? Like, what are you going to do with that deal? Are you just going to close that contract and and hope that it's going to be a good fit? Or are you going to do the right thing and make the next call and get your customer service team involved so they can start to evaluate this thing and make sure that this is going to be a client you want? I mean, because, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you want a client who's going to be a pain? I mean, think about this. How much headache are you, you know, could you be potentially exposing your entire staff to 
by not just simply injecting your customer service team to you know evaluate this deal and have a seat at the sales table to see is this a deal that's going to be worth our company taking time and paying attention to because um, sometimes the answer is no and then you need to ask the next question which is can your customer service team kill the deal um, and this is what this article I actually posted on here is all about, right? Is should customer service teams uh, have veto power and using data to prove your case, right? Um, and I, I really agree with what they're saying in here, right? Is, is that the fact is that customer service, your customer service, your customer implementation team, whatever, again, whatever you want to call them, this is the team who ultimately owns these relationships in, in most cases. I mean, these are, these are the teams who are going to speak to these customers a thousand percent more than any other department that's working inside your organization. So when you're, think, you know, when you're talking about that, in my opinion, yeah, I mean, these guys definitely need a seat at that table. They definitely have to have their input. And if you really want to empower this team, you should empower them the right way. And yes, give them the power to veto it. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. But I can tell you from experience, when I've seen good sales organizations take the, and, you know, and really take the advice from their implementations team, and when they say it's not worth it and listen to them, ultimately we ended up, you know, we, you will be thankful that you did because I've also seen the opposite. When an organization, I don't want to use the word greedy, but I'm going to, right? They kind of get greedy or they kind of, they just want to get the deal because they're, they're hungry for a deal and they close that deal. The same, you know, the deal that customer service is like, ah, you know, guys, I'm telling you, I, I don't think we should do this, right? It's, there's something not good here and I can feel it. Take my experience and you close it anyway. And what happens, right? Sure enough. Maybe not a day, maybe not a week, maybe not a month, maybe a couple months later, all of a sudden you're in your weekly executive meeting or you're in your weekly management or huddle or daily or whichever, and this client is being brought up every single solitary day. Uh, there's something new every day. They're just there. It's just complain, 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 complain. Ugh, right? It's like it's the ultimate entrepreneurial nightmare. It's like, oh, great. I have a client who I love their revenue, but I hate my client. It, it happens to us all, right? But just think, this all could have been avoided if you would have just listened to the one person who probably knew exactly what they're talking about. Um, the issue here, right, though, there is one problem. The problem is, is that many times what I see happen is, though, is that um, and why so many organizations don't pay attention to their customer service or customer implementation teams is because a lot of times these uh, you come you know you're, you the customer service implement implementer don't come with facts right you just are coming and you're typically saying ah, ah no 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 I guys I've seen a thousand of these right these this is just not going to be a good fit or you opposite right hey I just I feel this is going to be this going to look good right I think this is going to do uh, good for our business but there's no facts based upon it, right? One of the best tips I can give you, um, especially, you know, just is utilizing, uh, you know, utilizing the data you have, you know, you're, you're in client services. And the beauty of being in client services account management is you have the most data known to mankind at your fingertips, right? So many people in your role forget what they got there in front of them. 
you have all the historicals based, you know, from all the other customers that this organization works with, be it from, you know, tickets they've entered, things they've called you about, just, you know, how many complaints you've received, et cetera. Use that to your advantage. You'll leverage out and do comparative analyses, right? Figure out, hey, this industry typically sees about a 10% increase, you know, 10% more complaints than this other industry that we service. Or, hey, you know, these type of organizations with these type of financial makeups are typically higher risk type of clients and usually like to turn over uh, more. Use this data. I mean, this is kind of tying back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, which is, is there is many use cases for business intelligence. And in many times, yes, there's they just fail miserably. But when we're talking about customer service teams and account management teams, this is where I get pretty bullish and pretty straightforward with you guys about this is the team who knows what's really going on in your organization. They don't like to talk about it a lot of times, and sometimes they're a little too quiet. But you, this is the team you need to really get to go and know. Yes, your sales team at the end of the day is bringing in the revenue. Um, as I like to say, they're the fuel for the engine. You know, your engine is usually your operations team, and sales is giving you the fuel. Your account management and your implementation management team, they're the oil to that engine, right? They're the ones who are going to keep everything moving and shaking and making sure that things keep going. And this is the team you need to pay very, very close attention to because when, when, I mean, when push comes to shove, this is the team who's really going to know, is this going to be a success or not? And if you can get that data from them early and get that as part of the sales process, I'm telling you, it's going to make for a lot better and happier employees in your organization and a much better relationship with your client overall. So, you know, in summary, guys, with this, as you know, I always like to leave you guys with some good tips and tricks for this week. Um, my suggestion here for this week for you is this, is look towards, you know, first and foremost, look at the data you have inside of your CRM, your customer, you know, your account management systems, and see what's maybe there for you, right? See if you have something there that you could leverage to start to get to know um, a little bit more about your customers and your potential deals coming in to see if there is some vetting criteria that you should be paying more closer attention to. Make sure you also are in, you know, bringing your customer service and account management teams into the fold earlier. Uh, so you know, instead of waiting until you already have a contract or maybe a check in hand, bring them in a little bit sooner on. You know, see, is there a way I can inject them into uh, the vetting process? You know, maybe a technical needs assessment or a just a client assessment, right? Is this a good fit for us? And just get their two cents. Bring them as part of the roadshow when you go pitch the client and just have them sit there as a fly on the wall and listen. It's going to be amazing the feedback you're going to get from them. And then finally, you know, with your marketing teams, right? This week, I would strongly suggest go talk to your marketing teams, especially your digital marketing teams if you have a separation or depending on the size of your organization. And let's and take a look, see, hey, how much are we repeating stuff that we already have out there? Are are we just constantly re, you know, rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat? Because if so, I can guarantee you, you're pissing people off, right? I, me as a customer, you know, me as a consumer of this stuff. I really ask you to please stop because I don't want to read this junk. I've read it 500 times from you. I don't need to write, read it 501. Uh, but also, too, is, is beyond keeping it fresh and keeping it you know up to date is also making sure that you are really speaking to the people in your channels the way they want to be spoken to. Know your demographics, know who you're talking to, and really making sure that you're leveraging that as best as possible. 
So guys, have a great week. Uh, I hope that some of this new these tips and tricks here will help you out throughout this week. And as always, thank you for listening to your success and prosperity. My name is Michael McMillan. I look forward to chatting with you again here next week. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it.